Well, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. You guys, that's the beginning of the story that we're going to be looking at over these next few weeks that we've looked at a lot. I'm Bill Stevens, one of the pastors here. So glad that you guys are here during this, this Christmas season that we get to have together. Um, it, it, it's, it's so fun around here around Christmas. Part of our hope is that this place becomes a place that no matter what is going on in your life, when you come walking in here, you're going, okay, come on. I got, I got to experience the joy of Christmas in the heart of whatever is happening, and that's partly why we want to decorate the way we did. Thank you for all of you guys that stuck around last week and helped us to decorate the place. Um, you guys, just on a total side note, um, our, we got to work on our claps around here, okay? Because, you know, when you guys clap and, you know, all right, that's, that's pretty decent news. You know, it, it's... It, it, it's like, it's like we just made a three-footer, maybe a two-foot putt, and that was it. And you just, oh, that was pretty good. It was all right. You guys, they just gave you information that while $3.9 million was pledged this last year, our giving increased 26%. That doesn't happen anywhere, and it just tells us that the Lord is, it is doing some powerful things. And on top of that, they're talking about things like that, that toy drive that's out there. Do you see how many kids are going to be blessed up and down the front range because of the generosity of this church? That deserves a clap. That's better. That's better. That's better. I mean, come on. Tiger Woods is back. We could clap for a little bit more than just a three-foot putt, okay? Hey, we are, we are in the, the, the Christmas season. We're in this story. We're in what we're talking about here. Um, you guys, the, 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 what we want to do over these next four weeks and right into Christmas Eve is we want to unwrap the Christmas story. We want to slow it down. Some of you have heard it too many times. Some of you have been around church for a long time. Some of you, this is the first time you've ever heard it. But for, whether you've been in the church or you haven't, you've probably heard the story of Mary and Joseph and a baby. And those of you that have been around for a long time, you've heard it and you go, yeah, yeah, this is what happens. But we want to slow it down because God has a reason to have come into this earth at this time. Nothing was done by chance. He had these people in mind. He had this place in mind. He had these things in mind that were going on at the time. And I think a lot of it has to do with God stepping in saying, I get you guys. I know what you're going through. And you're going to see it from this entire process that I'm on that in bringing my son into this world. You're going to get it. And you're going to get to understand. You're going to get to see a little bit of your life even played out in what's going on back there. That's what we want to do. I want to spend some more time looking at that, looking at the, the life of Mary and Joseph and some other people along the way and just go, let's slow it down enough for us to see, gosh, what was going on in their life and, and, and can we actually learn a little bit from that as this unbelievable thing happened in the Lord of the universe bringing his son right here into this world. So let's pray together and we'll dig right into that stuff. Father, we thank you and we pray that you would bless this morning. God, we thank you for so many. We thank you for the fact that, that you've blessed us with Ross Bowdy and, and Jonah Werner and, and this great team of worship team people that in the midst of Becky having her maternity leave, you've given us beautiful, beautiful worship. And, and we, get to, we get to be escorted right into your presence where now we can spend some time in your word and, and, and grow and learn. 
And we thank you for that. We thank you that, you that you've blessed us with enough to be able to give. And, we, and, and all the things that we're going to be able to do as a church, we thank you for that. God, we pray that you would, you would speak to each one of us, no matter where we're at, no matter what situation has happened in our lives, so even this last week, in these last couple of days, whatever, we pray that in the heart of those things, you can slow us down enough to hear you and to hear your word. Speak into, speak into that life that we've got. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, I'm going to put a pause for a second on the, on the, on the Christmas story, okay, for a, on, on Mary and Joseph, okay? I want to, I want to tell you a little bit more of, of just something that's been happening for Jackie and I. This last week, this was the week, you know, Thanksgiving's over with, and we start decorating our own house, and we put up about a 15-foot-high Christmas tree every year. We, it's a big, fake Christmas tree. We put this massive thing up there, and the reason why we have to have such a big one is because we have so many stinking ornaments. We have, we, have, we figured we have over 300 ornaments on this tree. And the reason why we have them is because my mom and dad keep making them. My mom and dad every year make ornaments that, that represent significant things that happened in our, in our year. And so when Jackie and I were first married, they had a picture of our wedding and they made an ornament for that. And they, we have that on the tree. When, uh, when, when our kids are involved in school plays, they make an ornament for that. So we've got this fiddler on the roof ornament for when Maggie was in the fiddle on the roof in eighth grade at, Monarch, at El Dorado K. We've got a, a, when Jack and I went to our first football game together, we went to Mile High, it was the Seahawks and Broncos and, and, and they laminated the tickets and they, they, they put, made an ornament out of that. So they make an ornament out of everything, all the stuff that happens. And so really, when you look at our house, we love when people come over because they're going, this is our life for the last 24 years. And if you came over, you'd have to sit there and listen to all the stories because there's a ton of stories. And that, and that's my grandma. And that, we, we'll tell you all the stories on this whole tree, okay? That's, that's this. If, if, we, if, 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 our, if our house caught fire, we'd go get the ornaments. That'd be the first thing we get because this is our life. In these ornaments. Well, on our tree, there's a hierarchy on the tree. You've got your, you've got your ornaments on the bottom. Those are the lame ones or the ones that look bad. Or Those are the ones that our kids made in first grade. I know, I'm sorry for you guys that have first graders and that you're going, hey, those are cool. The, the paper of the hand that looks like Santa and, and glitter and a picture. Those are cool. Okay, by in, in another 10 years, a, a snowflake turns into a snowball. The glitter is gone. The cat chewed half of it. The dog ate the rest. It, it, those end up on the bottom, okay? Because we don't care if we come home and the dog is chewing on it. So that's the bottom. And then around the back, those are the really ugly ones. <laughs> those we don't care one bit about. You stick those in the very back. And then you bring it around and it becomes more important. And the cooler the ornaments, they're right here. And as you get up, those are the most important ornaments, the ones that mean the most and some of the most fragile ones. They're up near the top, but the most important ones. So I get to have my ornaments up near the top because they're the most important. And all the kids are underneath me. That's, no, I, but I do tend to take those spots. But what we, 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 I have my, we have our ornaments up there at the, at the most important spots. Reason why I tell you that is there's one ornament, this guy right here. It's this, this kind of ugly gray, grayish purple cloudy ball. Okay, this has sat in the back of our tree for years. This is this ugly, it sat in the very back corner. And it didn't sit back there just because it was ugly. It sat back there because it came at a time in our life that was really difficult. 
we, we got this when we were up in Bellingham, Washington. Bellingham is in the far northwest corner of the state of Washington, right near the Canadian border. Jackie and I were in Seattle for our first five years of marriage, and we, we got this job after working in the college ministry, University of Washington, 800 college students involved in this ministry there. We get a job to go up to Bellingham to work in the small church up there in a high school and middle school ministry where there were five kids in the high school ministry. So we went from 800 to five. And we get up there, and over those two years, it was really, really hard for us. We had probably our two hardest years of our marriage. Lots of different things happened in just those two years. Jackie had a miscarriage, and it was one of two miscarriages in our, in our, in our marriage, and, and so we lost a baby, and, and we went through the grief of that. My grandpa passed away. I have four grandparents that I was extremely close to, and over a five-year period of time, I lost each one of them, and my grandpa was the first one while we were there. And so we went through this season of grief when we were up there. We went through a season of frustration because the job itself was really, really hard. Not only was it hard just because there were four or five kids that we had to get going with a high school and middle school ministry, but it was really hard because of my bosses. I had two bosses. One of them was on the front end of senility, and so he was, he was forgetting everything. And I, I, I even say that out of respect. He really, it wasn't like he, he was just crazy. He really, truly was just kind of forgetting a lot of things. We had a weekend as a staff that, that he was going to run, and he forgot that we were doing it. So we all went to this weekend retreat place and he didn't show up because he just forgot. That he, so we had one boss that just forgot a lot about me, forgot that I was there, but I had another boss that hated me, that just was super mean to me all the time. And I was an angel and he was mean to me <laughs> all the time. I didn't do anything wrong ever. And he, he just kept getting on me for stuff. At one point, we're in the middle of the staff meeting with all of our staff and elders. And we're talking about our budget of our church because it was in disarray. And he says, the reason why we're struggling is because we're paying that guy full time. And he pointed right at me. And I am, I, I'm just, like I said, I'm pretty angelic when it comes to that stuff. So I just kind of sat back and just took it. No, I didn't, man. I went Crabtree Tlaib on the guy and, and we, were, we were going nuts and we were screaming at each other right in the middle of this meeting. He's all upset with me for parking in his parking spot, but it doesn't say his name anymore. So I intentionally, I didn't intentionally park there. It's, I just parked there. Uh, it was, it was a really, truly, a super hard environment to work in. I'm at this church just going, what am I doing? I'm calling up my buddies back in Seattle just telling them about it. And they're going, Bill, you got to get out of there, man. That is terrible. And I'm going, yeah, I know. And, 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 and so I'm just complaining about this dude and this, this, this kind of the oppression that I'm feeling at work. At home, we're feeling lonely. We, we had left family in Seattle in, the, in, in that area, and we went up there to Bellingham. And yeah, we were only three hours away, but we might as well have been five states away because we were lonely. We're coming home, and it's just us. So we're going through a, se a season of loneliness. And then on top of it all, we got two little rugrats. We got Ella and Jack that are like this tall at this point, And they're screaming all over the place. We got just two, a two-bedroom apartment with three different apartments in the two years. So we had all of that happening too. And so, so that season, those two years was really, really hard. In fact, when we left Bellingham, the song that came on the radio, no joke, the song that came on the radio is, um, I, I can see clearly now the rain is gone. You know that song? I can see all obstacles in my way. Now you college students have no idea what I'm talking about, but you older people know what's the main part of that? It's gonna be a what? You gotta sing it. 
It's going to be a what? Wow. Wow. That was really bad. <laughs> it was really bad. Wow. You guys should stick to worship songs. Um, it's going to be a bright, 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 sunshiny day. That's what, that, see, that's what you guys should have sounded like. Um, that's the way, that, that was the song that was on the radio. And we just were like, perfect. I can see clearly now. It's so freaking cloudy. This whole, this whole thing has been so hard for us. And we're ready to move on. And in the middle of that, I, we got that, this ornament from this mom of one of the high school kids. And it's this cloudy, gray old ornament. We're going, that's us. That was us for two years. Cloudy, gray. I mean, literally in physics. It's worse than Seattle as far as the rain and that stuff goes. It's, war, it's terrible. And so it's just cloudy and rainy. And so we put that in the bottom corner of our, of our tree and said, man, let's just keep it down there. That's Bellingham. Those were those two years. You guys, this ornament has moved its way around the tree and it's moving its way towards, it's moving its way up the tree. And the reason why is because well, while all that was happening, God was at work. While all that was happening, we didn't recognize it because we were so stinking frustrated that all we did was talk about the frustrations. We're just making those phone calls about all the things that were going wrong. And in the heart of it, God was at work. God was doing powerful stuff. God was doing powerful stuff in our life and we're looking back at it now and Jackie and I both look at it and say, man, in a lot of ways, our faith was grounded there. And our faith actually was, was growing there, but we didn't know it. So many great things were happening there, we didn't recognize it. You know, God was at work in our little family. This little family of four, God was at work in that glue in us together. And now, 20, 20 some years later, we're sitting here, here, and we're at Thanksgiving with this, just the six of us, and we're looking around that table, we're just going, that was God at work, and it was at work way back in Bellingham, but we didn't notice it. Because, man, we were just frustrated, or we were just lonely, and we didn't see God at work in that. We didn't see God at work at work. I'm so frustrated with this boss that I didn't see that God was at work in my life, growing me as a leader and growing me as a pastor. And I look back at it and I go, man, I was being forged by the fire, and, and, and I didn't recognize it because I was too busy, too frustrated with what was going on. I didn't see God at work in my own faith. It's going, ah, you know, where was he? I, I accepted this, this, this job up there to go do God's work, and, and where was he? And he was there the whole time, pouring concrete on my faith, pouring concrete and giving me a firm foundation. And I just didn't know it. I didn't recognize it because my circumstances were winning. And how many of us were in those same situations? You're sitting there and you're looking at, at, at folding 10 loads of laundry and you're just going, I just keep folding it and it just keeps coming. Where is this stuff coming from? And you're just folding it and folding it and folding it. And you're going, I, I think this was folded three days ago. It just never got in the dresser and it's now back in the dirty. I just keep folding laundry. And you get so frustrated with that. And you get so, it's just like, is this my life? And are we missing God working in the heart of that? Are we missing God maybe doing something powerful in the heart of that? And you're at work and you're just going, you, you know, you're just kind of going through the motions at work. And is God doing something there? Is he, is, he, is he trying to get your attention there? You might be going through transition in your family. 
Maybe, maybe somebody's getting married and you're going, gosh, what's life going to be like for our family now? Or someone moves on to college and you're going, oh my gosh, what's life going to be like? And we get so worried. Someone's moving on to first grade and they're jumping on the school bus for the first time. And it's like, oh my gosh, these, my life is changing so much. And we start to get more anxious about that stuff instead of maybe God is going, hey, right here in the midst of this stuff, I'm working my best work right here in some of your hardest stuff that you're going through. C.S. Lewis says this about it. C.S. Lewis says, um, he says, God whispers to us in our pleasure and speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts to us in our pain. And I would say in our pain and all of the cloudy stuff in our life, he's shouting to us. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. I think, that, I think that God was shouting to Jackie and I in the heart of that time up there in Bellingham. I think he was saying, he was shouting to me saying, look, your faith, your, I have been a fringe benefit to you, Bill, for the last five years. I've been a fringe benefit. You've had a great life and, 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 and I've just been uh, just some additional part to it. But he says, but I'm shouting to you now. You need me in your grief. You need me in your frustration. You need me in, your, in, in you being overwhelmed. You, you need me in these things. I'm shouting to you here, but can you hear me in the midst of your own phone calls to everyone saying this stinks? Can you hear me? Can you see me at work? Andy Stanley says, in the midst of our circumstances, God leverages the negative and helps us to grow. He helps our faith to grow. And he leverages, I love that. He leverages the negative. All those things that are happening, he leverages those things and says, all right, I'm working in this. I'm here still. And I'm trying to get your attention in this. Because I can do some of my most powerful work right here. You guys, this Christmas story, the Christmas story is God doing powerful, powerful work, obviously. His son is coming into this world. But in the midst of that, it's a world and it's people that are all having their Bellingham experience. I'm focusing more on Mary today. Mary was having a Bellingham experience. Mary had all kinds of things that you could just go. She could have just kept complaining and complaining and complaining. She could have just gone, are you serious, Lord? This is what you want me to do? Are you serious? She could have just complained and complained and complained, but she didn't. We saw something, we see something greater in Mary. She was, she was, there was a richness in what was happening in her. There was a, there was a, she actually found a joy in it. We kind of, we see. And you just go, how? In the midst of, of those experiences, How? Well, we want to take a little closer look at this. We want to dive into Mary's story as, as Jesus is coming to this earth. Let's enter into her story. Enter into it, you guys. You might have heard it before, but enter into the story, okay? Here's how it goes. We're going to reread this, this, uh, the, the passage that we just read this, the, the, to begin with. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. I love how Matthew does that. Matthew's right in this part. And it's like he has no idea how to describe what just happened. He doesn't know um, she got pregnant by God. So, uh, so she, he just says she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And then let's move on really quick. Okay. So, but, but think about that. Let's stop right there. Let's slow the story down. She was found to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And now she's got to go tell Joseph this. We forget about that part. 
She's got to go walk up to her fiance, or her, she was betrothed to Joseph. She's got to walk up to Joseph, and she's got to tell him, um, Joseph, I- I'm pregnant, and it's God's. Yeah, it's God's. It's what? Yeah, it's, it's God's. It's, it's God's kid. Um, um, yeah, an angel came to me and told me that. Joseph is re- responds the way any of us would respond. I mean, Joseph, he's, he's got to be, uh, no, what, was it the neighbor guy that keeps looking at you through his window? Was it that guy? Who was it, Mary? Who was it? It wasn't me. Who was it? It was God. Joseph didn't believe that. He couldn't wrap his head around that. Who could? Who could? And so Joseph did what, he, what any of us would do. He says, Joseph, her, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, had in mind to divorce her quietly. He's looking at her going, you've, you're me- you've messed this up. We had something good here. We were moving along here and you have messed this up. And now I got to divorce, and I got to divorce you. He's not going to, he knows that people could be, you could be stoned to death for, for getting pregnant out of wedlock. And, and so he's going, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to expose her to all that, but I'm going, I still, obviously I got to divorce her. I gotta, this isn't going to work. I mean, she's pregnant with somebody's kid. This isn't going to work. So, so you think of Mary, because we're focusing with, from Mary's side. Think about Mary at this point. She's going, okay, yeah, I've got this. And, and this this is what I got to do. I got to go tell him. And now he's going to divorce me. Um, is this really the plan? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? And then, and then what happens is they got nine more months. See, Joseph gets in this dream. He gets his dream and, and an angel comes to him and says that, no, 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 Mary's telling the truth. And this is the son of God. He's carrying the son of God. And Joseph believes that and believes Mary and says, I'm going to stick with you guys. But they got nine months in Nazareth now. They got nine months in this town where they're going to sit there and everybody knows that she's pregnant. And you think that they're all going, she's pregnant from the son of God, it's Virgin Mary. Sorry, that's my Catholic background coming up. Uh, she, 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 not, she didn't, she, no one's sitting in there go, going, well, this is the Virgin Mary and she's carrying the Lord's son. That's not what people in Nazareth are saying over these nine months. The people in Nazareth are looking at them like, I wonder who the father is. They're, they're, they're looking at stones outside their house going, which one do we want to throw? They're looking at it going, this is ridiculous. Mary, Mary's social life had to, be, had to stink for those nine months. Every time she stepped outside, she felt the daggers of judgment. Every time she went anywhere, people had some sort of negative thought about her. And she's got to face that. How would you face it? What kind of frustration would you share? What would that look like? Well, what, what Mary, Mary didn't do what we would expect to do. She said this prayer instead. I'm bursting with God news. This is three months in. I'm bursting with God news. I'm dancing the song of my Savior God. Well, wait a minute. What about the neighbor that's judging you? No, no. I'm dancing the song of my Savior God. I'm the most fortunate. God, God took one look at me and look what happened. I'm the most fortunate woman on earth. In the midst of those circumstances, she's saying, I'm the most fortunate woman on earth. Do we say that? In the midst of the cloudy stuff in our life, is it even possible to come close to saying, I'm fortunate? 
Is it possible to even to stop and to just go in the midst of that job that I've got that's going, I'm fortunate, I'm the most fortunate man alive. In the midst of the unknown of what's happened, I'm, I'm fortunate. With all the daggers that have been shot at Mary, she's saying, I'm the most fortunate woman on earth. What God has done for me will never be forgotten. The God whose very name is holy, set apart from all others. His mercy flows in wave after wave on those who are in awe before him. He bared his arms and showed his strength, scattered the bluffing braggarts. He knocked tyrants off their high horses, pulled victims out of the mud. The starving poor sat down to a banquet. The callous rich were left out in the cold. He embraced his chosen children, Israel. He remembered and piled on the mercies, piled them high. It's exactly what he promised beginning with Abraham and right up until now. You know what she's doing? She's reminding herself that God is good. She is reminding herself that he has a greater plan. And she's reminding herself that he's near. She had a pretty, he's near, he's right here. She's reminding herself that he is near. When Jackie got pregnant with Maggie, which happened in Bellingham as well, add that to the list, you know, Jackie got pregnant with Maggie. And, uh, and, and, uh, and so there's nine more months of pregnancy that we dealt with in the midst of all those other things. And, uh, but, but while she was pregnant with Maggie, I'm sitting there and I'm looking at her, I'm thinking, and I, and I thought, you know, this is the simple definition of faith. It's a knowledge of what is there and it is a hope for what is to come. A knowledge of what is there, a knowledge that, that God is, is here, a knowledge for that, and a hope for what is to come. And every mom that's carried a baby knows that, that another, they have that knowledge of what is there, and there's a hope still of what is to come in that child. There's, that both of those things are there, and we put our weight down on that. We put our weight down on a knowledge of what is there in God, and a hope for still what is to come and what he still has for us. And that, that's faith, and what's happening with Mary is in the midst of these circumstances that could easily be dominating her life, and when her faith is growing. Her knowledge of what is there is growing. And her hope for what is to come is growing. And you see that in her perspective. But it's not necessarily in the way we would have responded to it. But it doesn't end there. It keeps going, you guys. Listen to this. At about that time, Caesar Augustus ordered a census to be taken throughout the empire. This is the first census when Conarius was governor of Syria. Everyone had to travel to his own ancestral hometown to be accounted for. So Joseph went from the Galilean town of Nazareth up to Bethlehem in Judah, David's town, for the census. As a descendant of David, he had to go there. He went with Mary's fiance who was pregnant. When they were there, the time came for her to give birth. She gave birth to a son, her firstborn. She wrapped him in a blanket and laid him in a manger because there was no room for, him, for, for them in the hostel. Slow this story down, you guys. Slow it down. So at this point, nine months in, Mary's nine months pregnant. She's about to have a baby and Joseph has to come to her. Joseph has to tell her, um, Mary, remember that, that, that Augustus guy? Remember that, the guy that is running the whole Roman empire? He, he's got this really strange thing he wants us to do. At nine months pregnant, I've never been nine months pregnant before. I've never been there. But I've, had some, I've, I've been around somebody that has four times. And, and I just know that at the nine month mark, uh, everything that happens is blamed on me. I just know that. That's just part of the, you just accept that as, as the husband, that it's, it's your fault. You know, if it's raining, it's my fault. It's, it's raining out there. Why? I, I don't know. It's my fault. I'm sorry that it's raining. You know, everything. It smells in here. That's got to be you. You're right. You know, I, I, I'm uncomfortable in bed and I, you, you did this to me. You're right. I think we had some sort of mutual agreement at one point, but now it's not so mutual anymore. It's just that I did this to you. Uh, that, 
that that's part of what you accept. You don't have to carry the baby. You don't have to go through the pain. And so you just accept that it all comes on. It, it, the, 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 I'm the problem now. You just accept that. And so at this point, nine months pregnant, Joseph has to come to her and tell her, um, yeah, this Augustus guy, he wants us to pack up and go um, to the middle of Wyoming. That's what, that's what would be the equivalent of Bethlehem. He wants us to go to the middle of Wyoming um, because we need to be counted because he wants to know how many people he has power over because <laughs> we need to be counted. Mary's got to be looking at him and if that's us, what are we doing? We're looking at and we're, well, yeah, okay, that's fine, but we're waiting obviously until we have the baby. Uh, no, we've been waiting long enough. We cannot wait any longer. We've pushed this thing out as far as it can. We've got to go. In fact, I've got the horse all packed up. It's right out here and back. And all we got to do is we can come right out here. I put this nice blanket on the horse. You can just step up there onto that horse. We'll get right on through Fort Collins to Cheyenne. And as soon as we get to Casper, we're there. You know, and, and so, so he's got to convince her that this is going to be okay for her to jump on a horse at nine months pregnant. You guys, when, Ella, when Jackie was pregnant with Ella, we're driving to the hospital and I accidentally ran over one of those little bumps in the middle of the road and Jackie go, just goes, are you kidding me? Stay in your lane. They're, dry, they're riding a horse to, to Casper. She's got a lot to complain about at this point. And then it doesn't end there. They get to Bethlehem and Joseph goes to the hotel and says, and says, hey, uh, uh, you know, it's, a, it's a probably a house is what it probably was. And it's in, it's probably a house. And he goes up to the, the guy that was keeping it. And he says, he says you know, I, I, my wife's out there. She's about to have a baby. She's got Braxton Hicks going right now. She's, we got we to get her going. We got to get her in here. And, 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 and the guy says, man, everyone is traveling. And, and there's no room in, the, in this place for you. No, no, even right here on this couch. You don't know what I'll be facing out there. But let's put her on this couch. I'm sorry, man, there is no room in here. What was that like? Joseph comes back out to her. They've just been traveling for four days. She hasn't been sleeping on the air mattress from Costco. She's been sleeping on the floor, on the dirt floor. And she's been, and what's that? They've been traveling and, and, and they didn't have a radio or they didn't have a DVD player that they could watch the Gladiator on. They didn't have any of that stuff. They just trekked all the way to the middle of Wyoming. And from there, that's where they had to then deal with this. And he's got to go out there and go, oh, Mary, honey, honey, listen, there's no room. There's no room in that building, but I worked my magic and I found that cave over there. The manger was really a cave. We like to think of it as this pretty little barn. The manger was really a cave. And he's going, honey, I found this sweet cave over here. And they're going to let us go. We just got to clear out the animals. I'll clear them all out. You know, we'll, we'll make a bed out of this straw. We could put the baby in this, this hard little, this trough. It'll be perfect. And she's got to look at that and say, really? Really? That's where you want me to go? God's about to do something powerful. Mary is in the heart of that. And if you and I were in that place, you know what we'd be doing. None of it would be fair. None of it would be what we'd want. Our circumstances would be winning. Yes, and Jackie was pregnant with Abby. We looked at a Vista hospital and picked out the room that had the best view. She, she's got a cave that they're going to go into and light some little candle or something and have a baby. How would we respond in that? 
And how much would we miss in what God is really doing? So it says this, it says she, she has the baby. They have the baby and all these shepherds come around. And when they had seen the sight, the shepherds at the cave, they told everybody what had been said to them about this little child. And those who heard them were amazed at what the shepherd had said. But Mary, back in the cave, was still frustrated at Joseph for not talking their way back into the inn. That's not what it says. It's not, that's not the message version of it. That's not what it says. Okay? That's what we would say. That's how we would respond. Come on, Joe. You couldn't get us a closet? Come on. That's what we would say. No, this is what she said. Mary could not believe that dumb Augustus needed to do this for a stupid count. <laughs> That's not what it says either. No, it says this. Mary was disgusted that the first smell that the king of kings had to endure was urine on the straw. <laughs> I say that one. I'm total tangent here. I say that one just because... I, Jackie and I bought this carpet from Costco a little while ago. I got to tell you about this. We bought this carpet a little while ago from Costco. It's this big shag carpet, 250 bucks. We put it in our living room because that's where all the fun happens in our, in our family. It's where me and Jackie and the, when my kids come back from college, they're hanging out there and Abby's growing up right there. This is where we sit and watch Survivor together. This is our, this is our living room. This is the fun. This is, our, this is the spot that we all get to hang out in. And we bought this sweet shag carpet to put in there. We're going, this is perfect for our living room right here. There's nothing like laying down on a big old shag carpet until five days later when I'm sitting there on the couch and I start smelling something and I'm going, it smells like cat pee. And I realized the cat peed on the carpet five days in to this $250 Costco carpet, the cat pees on it. Three days later, I see a wet spot and I'm going, there's another piece. There's another cat pee right there. Within 10 days, that cat peed probably 12 times on our carpet. Two things. One, we've got a cat available if you want one. <laughs> Two, I've got a lightly used piece of carpet for 200 bucks if you guys want it. Sweet Christmas present, okay, if you guys want it. The, the, the carpet stunk like pee. We tried to clean it all up. All, and, and I'm sitting there and I was, all I could, could think about was the, the smell of the urine. The kids at Jack and Maggie would come home from school and sit there. And, we, and all I could do was think about the smell of the urine. We'd be in there playing games on the, in, the, in the dining room table. And all I could do was just go, it stinks like cat pee in here. All I could do was think about the stupid smell of the urine. Our kids are going, Dad, let it go. And I'm going, I can't. Stupid cat. Hey, cats. I couldn't let go of the smell of the pee awesome things are happening around me and all I can do is smell the stupid urine. How fitting is it that the first smell of the king of kings is urine in a cave? He's going, I'm right here. And you can either focus on that or you can focus on the fact that I'm right here. This is what Mary did. This is what happened with Mary, and this is absolutely essential. Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. You guys, she's still in the cave. Her circumstances haven't changed that much. She still has this, she's now got a crying baby sitting there. She still doesn't know what's going to happen next. There's all kinds of unknown. Her cloudiness is still fully there. 
She, they don't know if, they're, if life is going to be in Egypt, if life's going to be in Bethlehem, if life's going to be back in Nazareth. She doesn't know what this is going to look like to raise the Son of God. She's got all kinds of questions still. In the meantime, she's still sitting in this, on some rock probably, in the middle of this cave. God didn't take her out of those circumstances. But she recognized God was in those circumstances. She recognized and she treasured up all of these things and she pondered them in her heart. She treasured them. She treasured that God is good. She treasured that he is a good, good father. She treasured that he was there and present. She treasured that the unknown was, was there but she was not alone. She treasured folding 10 loads of laundry. And the reason why I say that with 10 loads of laundry is because right before Thanksgiving, we sat with our staff and said, what are the things that you want to see happen over these holiday season? And Kayla, our, our children's pastor, turned to, turned to us and said, you know what I want? She said, when I'm folding my laundry and I'm folding a basket full of my husband's clothes and I get to his underwear and I'm folding all these piles of Cole's underwear, she said, I just want to, I want to be re to remember in that moment, I have got a really good husband. And I thought, that is so cool that in the middle of folding laundry, that that's, she wants to be shaken awake to the, joy, to, to, to the treasure that's there. She, she remembered and she treasured the job that you just feel like you're just going through the motions in, just going, God, God you're here. She treasured the, the, the transition in life that you might be going through and your family is going through and going, God is good and God is here. Even in the midst of the cave, she treasured those things and she pondered them in her heart. I think she looked back at it all. The walk to her cousin Elizabeth's house, 90 miles there, the 120 mile trek from where she was at to Bethlehem. Her, her Joseph who stuck by her within all of that. I think she just looked back at all, pondered all of it, looked around in the room and the circumstances that she had, and she's going, God's good, and he's here. That ornament in my house has gone from the bottom of the tree, and it's worked its way around to the middle, and now it sits real up high. In fact, this last time when I put it up there, Maggie, my daughter, asked me, Dad, why are you putting that so high? And I said, because it, it reminds me. It reminds me that no matter how cloudy it gets, it reminds me of no matter how hard it gets, it reminds me that God is good and he's a good, good father and he's, he's here and he's present. It reminds me to treasure it. You guys, don't miss that. Don't miss that. In the midst of the stuff that's going on in your lives, don't miss it. God has shaken you and saying, I am here and I'm doing my best work right now. I'm doing my powerful work right now. Don't miss that this season. Father, we pray that you would help us to, in the midst of all the stuff that's going on, whether it's, it's really great stuff or it's really hard stuff, it's, it's, if it's in-laws coming into town or it's, or, it's, or it's me by myself, whatever it is, Lord, no matter what the situation is, God, I pray that you would help us to recognize and to treasure and to ponder 
the things that are happening and know that you're here in the midst of it. You haven't removed us from it. You're just in the midst of it and you're walking with us in it. God, we pray that we would find great joy in that. We pray that we'd find great comfort and peace in that as we head closer to the realization of you coming to this earth through a human being in your son, Jesus. It's in your name we pray, amen. Let's stand and sing together one more song.